Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Recorded live. Greetings. This is Jana for the International Week for Nonviolence and the Blogging Carnival for Nonviolence. Today, I'm very, very pleased to be joined by Karen Carrington of Black Women for Positive Change. We're also supposed to be being joined by Reverend Kelvin Souls of the Holman United Methodist Church in Los Angeles. Now, we're not sure what's happening. We think it looks like um, there's some kind of technical difficulties, but we're really hoping that Reverend Souls is going to be able to join us. But in the meantime... I'm just going to talk to Karen Carrington. So, Karen, you're a member of Black Women for Positive Change, is that right? Yes, I am. Okay, well, welcome. I'm so glad you're able to join me today. Can you, you tell Can you tell us a bit about what are the origins of the Week for Nonviolence? How did it actually start? Well, we decided to take our organization, which was previously Black Women for Obama, mm-hmm. to another era. And we thought about it, and we came up with Black Women for Positive Change because there were a number of issues that we thought we would like to help implement change with. Mm-hmm. And one of them was the culture of violence. Right. And so we became Black Women for Positive Change, which is a national interfaith, multicultural, volunteer, and advocacy network based in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I need to correct you there because it's actually an international network. Thank you for that correction, John. Yeah. <laughs> Good morning. This is Reverend Saul's calling. Oh, Reverend Saul's. I'm so glad you made it. We weren't sure what, whether you are going to be able to join us or not. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm just speaking to Karen. I think you know Karen Carrington from Black Women for Positive Change. My name is yeah. Jana. How are you? Good, good, good. I'm just uh, a little under the weather, but I wanted to make sure that I uh, joined uh, despite uh, um, being a little under the weather. Uh, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're not well. Yes. But I'm very glad you're able to join us. Yes. Glad to be here. Uh, so, Karen, you were saying you were Black Women for Obama, you became Black Women for Positive Change, and you decided specifically to uh, respond to the culture of violence. That's uh, so, when did uh, the Week for Nonviolence start? We started the first one in 2013. Okay. Uh, this will be our third uh, National Week, International Week Thank on you. Nonviolence. <laughs> And, of course, our theme is changing the culture of violence in America and the world. Excellent, excellent. Well, I'm completely, totally behind that. So um, what exactly, okay, well, tell us a bit about last year, because I was told the first year was a day for nonviolence, is that right? And then last year was the first week for nonviolence? That is correct. We have been evolving ever since 2013, Mm -hmm. which was one day. And uh, last year, again, uh, we had another day. And this year, uh, because of our outreach and membership growing, we decided to make it a week of nonviolence. Mm-hmm. 
Excellent, excellent. Okay, and um, what kind of response did you get from last year's Week for Nonviolence? I think we got a relatively good response, uh, particularly because we were right um, at the sad uh, death of Trayvon Martin. Mm. So uh, our timing, you know, if you could say good timing, uh, the timing was important, let me say it that way, mm. uh, because we were, you know, speaking about uh, police brutality uh, and mm. nonviolence, and unfortunately Trayvon Martin uh, was killed uh, the day that we started our right. Uh, right. Yeah, he represents so much. The death of Trayvon represents so much. I I didn't know if you've heard me talk about this, but I've talked about this before, that there was a community meeting in London, in South London, near where I live, a few months after Trayvon's killing. And there was a poster out, and the poster had Trayvon's photograph on it, that famous photograph of him in the gray hoodie. And it didn't say anything about his name or who he was because everybody in London knows who Trayvon Martin was. Everybody in Britain probably knows who Trayvon Martin was. Mm -hmm. It's it's horrendous. It's horrendous. But the exact same issues that you're dealing with on that side of the pond, we are dealing with on this side of the pond. And I think it's really important to remember that this is an international issue. And it's a shame. But my most recent blog post is called War on the Black Community? Because I want to hear what other people think about this. Is the black community actually under attack? Do you have any thoughts about that, Reverend Salt? Yes, I think the uh, um, the the challenge of violence is certainly a global uh, phenomenon, especially you know uh, against uh, blacks, uh, as well as you know uh, I think in so many ways against um, black men and black women. Mm. And um, what for us, for me, I was born and raised in South Africa. Oh, really? Okay. And so you know this. Your piece around violence against black people is one that I grew up with. Mm. Oppressive and oppressive system of apartheid. Yes, of course. The most recent, you know, uh, shooting of the church uh, in uh, South Carolina, Mother Zion uh, African Methodist Episcopal Church, uh, to know um, or to realize how this is a uh, global uh, movement against, you know, um, uh, black people. Uh, the, um, the the believer of white supremacy is why I call him. I don't call his name, but he's a believer in white supremacy mm-hmm. who carried out that shooting, wore a jacket, um, um, and, and, um, and on that jacket he had two flags. Mm-hmm. Um, besides the Confederate flag, who uh, has been a symbol uh, reminding blacks of the uh, state-sanctioned violence against them in this country. Um, he had a, a sticker on a jacket on with two stickers. One had the apartheid South African flag. Oh, really? And the other one had the Rhodesian flag on. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I talked about it at the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I basically, you know, said that this is a sign that this glacier um, of white supremacy that's moving the tip of the iceberg, that tip of the iceberg is violence against black people. Mm, okay. You okay, bring yeah. together the Confederate flag, the uh, apartheid South African flag, and the Rhodesian flag. For me, that equals 
a global movement of violence yeah. against black people. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of black people in the United States are not aware of that. A lot of people are not aware of what happens in Britain, for example. But one of my recent blog posts said that there's been 590 black deaths in police custody in Britain. Wow. Wow. Yeah, 590. If you go onto the page for um, the International Week for Nonviolence, the blogging carnival, page on my blog for the blogging carnival, there's a link to my blog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so people need to know this. This is a global phenomenon. Absolutely. Uh, this is what we're up against. Yeah. And yet I do believe that if the black community is under attack, uh, that this, this is going to affect every community, and it does affect every community. It doesn't just affect us. Right, yes. And when I preached on Sunday uh, at the church, my sermon title was Chosen for Change. And uh, mm-hmm. that uh, sermon title I got from the uh, name of the foundation that um, 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 that Michael Brown Sr. started as a result of the uh, death of his son, Michael Brown Jr. Right, in, right. in Missouri. Right. In that uh, sermon, I talked about, you know, that we have been chosen to change the culture of violence, mm. but also mentioned that, you know, violence is not just physical. That's violence right. manifests itself in a multifaceted, multidimensional way. That's right. And so, uh, and so I think that's what we need to understand, that um, um, uh, for me, the definition of violence is uh, uh, any uh, form of of violation of somebody's human dignity. Mm-hmm. Including one's own. Yes. And Including I think that's very, very important for us to understand mm. because many, many times, you know, uh, the media and, and, and others, you know, uh, choose to criticize people's response to violence. Mm-hmm. You see, uh, but, uh, but we have to understand there's always a first violence that takes place. Uh, and that first violence in so many ways, you know, uh, is you know, the, um, uh, this war against black people. And what we are saying is there is a response, you know, uh, to that, and that response is uh, nonviolent because we choose to use strategies that will uh, transform, you know, uh, the uh, glacier, if you will, the, the iceberg that uh, produces uh, not just the first violence but the second violence and how it is that we can facilitate a long-lasting you know, uh, long-lasting transformation through peace uh, and peace through justice. Okay, yes, yeah, because I was going to ask you about that, both of you. What is the response? Because I would argue that the first violence happens internally in the mind and in the heart mm-hmm. before there's an outward manifestation. So, you know, we have to be aware of our own internal violence as well as other people's, as well as the external violence. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Uh-huh, mm-hmm. So, so I'm going to ask both of you, so what would be the response to this? Because, you know, if if it's true that the black community is under attack, and I would urge you both to check out my blog and please leave your comments on my blog post, mm-hmm. um, if it's true that there's war on the black community, what do you see as the response? Because um, we're having the week for nonviolence in October. Now, a lot of people would say that nonviolence is not a response to violence. So what would you say to that? Hmm. That's an excellent question. I guess from from my standpoint, we have to be cautious in how we respond. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we want I, – I certainly understand how people can want to fight violence with 
silence. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing that's important to remember is America was founded as a violent territory. Oh, it was. It was. Yeah. So, so there is a history of violence, be it oh, against black people, Indians, Jews, what have you. Yeah, there right. is a history of violence in America. Mm-hmm. And so as a result of that, that violence becomes a cultural thing, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. That that violence was used to keep slaves in check. Yeah. yeah. You know, to to keep blacks from uprising to who want to have who wanted to have the right to vote, who wanted to have the right to be able to shop in a nice store or mm-hmm. eat in a restaurant. Yeah. So, you know, I, there are many ways that an individual can look at at that particular point. And I just think that perhaps probably with our young people, I can understand their frustration because if you will look at the situation, it's much different for these youth today mm-hmm. because they have not really been uh, given the history from whence we came. Right. So, right. They, you know, they don't know about all the struggles about Emmett Till who was lynched, you know, as a mm. young woman because he supposedly yeah. whistled at a white woman, you yeah. know. Yeah. So, you know, with all of that, you know, black families have made an effort to somewhat insulate their families, youth in particular, the millennials, against those very things that we went through in order right. to get to where we are today. Right, right. So as a result of that, they don't know really where we come from. And so in their mind, the only way for them to deal with it is in a somewhat aggressive manner. Mm-hmm. And I think, it's, I think it's a basic human instinct. Someone hits you, you want to hit them back. Oh, of if someone's if you're smaller than someone and they're bigger than you, you want to get bigger so that you can protect yourself and you want you want to be able to protect yourself, your family and your community. And a lot of people see the way to do that as being violent. That's why there are wars in the world. That's one of the reasons why there are wars. So yeah. how is nonviolence a solution? How is that a response to violence? Well I think, you know, uh it starts with uh affirming one's uh uh uh, uh you know, respect for one's own dignity, mm-hmm. and because violence, as I said, is a violation, you know, of one's dignity, and as a result yeah. of that, you know, it causes this internal conflict. Right. Uh, and uh, and prior, long prior to, you know, uh, we have uh, uh, physical violence. There's a lot of psychological violence going on. Absolutely. I Absolutely. think that's why the Bible says, "Be transformed by the renewing of your mind." Okay. Somebody else sang uh, uh, early on in you know in a song, "Check Your Mind." You see, uh, uh, because part of uh, what the, uh, the the perpetrator of violence wanted to do is to really, you know, uh, get into your mind first. Uh, exactly. That's why we're talking exactly. about you know um, the issue of uh, internalized racism, and Absolutely. part of that is relation of oneself as a result of the of legislative or uh, of, of black people being used in, uh, as commodities yeah. you know, uh, as a result of that. And so there's this sense of self-devaluation. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So I think that nonviolence starts, you know, uh, with a, you know, uh, having a strong sense of value and dignity for self, of, 
of self self respect for self. Mm-hmm. I think it's important about nonviolence. It is it is not a call for uh, passivity. You know, okay. nonviolence is a very very uh, uh, engaging and active way of uh, resisting that which is wrong, resisting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, um, um, the violence of injustice. Injustice. So so nonviolence is a call to action. That is how Dr. King. You know, uh, uh, looked at it. It is basically undermining the 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 strategies of you know, um, 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 you the know that. violence. You know, yeah. the the and the white supremacists. So, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and so it's not it's not a passive piece. It's mm-hmm. not a, mm-hmm. it's not us being submissive. Uh, it's indeed us saying that you know uh, we will fight uh, these laws, whether it's in South Africa or the United States or in the UK. You know, we will fight these laws uh, to expose the evil of the repression and the discrimination and the, you know, um, um, exploitation going on. And so it is a call uh, uh, to action uh, around that. Okay, so we're, we're not talking about being about being passive. We're talking about being creative. That's right, yeah. Because, I, and I would say part of that is knowing our history as well, knowing our history. Because, like, for example, when we talk about what was done to the Indians, if you look at what was done to people in Africa, it was exactly the same. And when I first started learning details about what happened to people under colonization, I was really shocked because I said, my dad told me these stories when I was a child because he used to tell me about the things that were done to the Indians when I was a child. Yes. And, you know, like a lot of African-American families, we're part Indian. And, you know, he used to tell me this. And when I started learning details about what happened in Africa, it was the exact same story. Did you know that Teddy Roosevelt went to Kenya and he actually said the same, this is back in in 1905. He said the same people who did well in the Old West are the same people who are going to do well here in Kenya. Wow. He actually said that. He actually said that. So it's the exact same story. So to me, part of empowerment is is knowing our history, knowing our history. When we when we know our history, then we understand certain things like why Africa is in the state it's in today, why people in the African diaspora are in the state that we're in today, why there's violence happening in our communities right now. Mm-hmm. We see the pattern. Yeah. And that's got a very, very important point, and it's a, an excellent segue for me to uh, just share with your listenership about a docu-short that Black Women for Positive Change produced called On Second Thought. And it relates to what Reverend Sauls is saying about uh, having strength to deal with violence Mm. by by walking away. And that's the Mm. title of the docu-short, On Second Thought. And this is a, a, a true uh, dramatization of an unfortunate situation that took place in Boston, Massachusetts several years ago where it was, if you will, a, a kind of a teenage triangle uh, love affair mm-hmm. where you had a young male who was a basketball star and was probably going to go to college or the pros. He had already gotten one young lady pregnant and who had a little uh, baby by him, and then there was another young lady who was pregnant at the time. Mm. And uh, the mother, this is somewhat of a middle-class setting, 
And the mother was saying to the young lady who already had the baby by him that this young man needed to step up and start helping out because the yes. mother, the yes. young lady's mother, had basically been responsible for the baby's care. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, the young lady calls him and asks him, you know, tells him her mother says, you know, you're going to have to start doing X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Well, he shares this with the other young lady who is pregnant. And she decides that she has a way to fix it. And her way to fix it was, as she says, to use a burner, which is a gun. And they lure her to a uh, park, and this young girl kills the other young oh, lady. Oh, my goodness. Really? Right. And, and it, what, what it does is it really is quite thought-provoking in that it is redirected. The film just goes in reverse. And the young lady that does the the shooting, she has a conversation with her father. And the father tells her that, you know, he paid child support for her, and Mm. she wasn't aware of that. Right, right. But but most importantly, it made this individual have a second thought before they committed an act of violence. And I think what uh, Reverend Sauls is saying and what people need to know it's not always a bad thing to walk away. It mm. takes a person mm. to walk away from a confrontational situation. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's a very powerful thing to do. It's a very it, powerful it, thing to do. And people don't realize the mm. power within it, and so that's what we're hoping to do is to educate youth and adults that take that second thought. Yeah, Why yeah. Take, you know, uh, it's not worth your life. And so that's what we're hoping to do is, is educating young people, particularly, about taking that second thought. And that's excellent. Away. Excellent. Yeah. Because if you get to the point where you really feel you need to take someone else's life in a situation like that, then, um, and thank goodness those situations do not arise every day, but they do arise. Um, but, um, I mean, that means we've already devalued ourselves. If, if we really think it's okay to go and kill somebody else in a situation like that, then that means we've already, we've devalued ourselves and we've devalued the other person. Well, yeah, I absolutely. Agree. And you know, uh, last week we lost a, uh, a a civil rights you know legend in uh, in uh, Julian Bond. Yes, I've seen that. And one of the things that Julian Bond said is that you know when you uh, uh, take the life of someone else, you take part of yourself away. Of course, absolutely. When you diminish absolutely. the value of someone else's life, you are diminishing aspects of your own life. Absolutely. And, the, and so the nonviolent strategy is a strategy of discipline. It's a strategy of determination. Mm. It's a strategy that has uh, uh, in its mind not just a transformation of the system uh, that we are uh, fighting against, but also... A, de- a determination of resisting, you know, uh, the one who uh, uh, developed and deployed the system so that in the end, you know, um, not just my dignity is restored, but the person who's oppressing me and That's through right. that, That's right. away from his own dignity, is also transformed. Absolutely. And that's the power of, and that's why King referred to it as soul force. Uh, right. That's why he. I mean, that's, that's, that is, there's a sense of 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 spiritual, you know, um, 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 of how this changes our internal landscape. Uh, 
Right, exactly, well, the I, internal effort. Sorry to cut you, but that, what you said is so important because I believe that um, our minds have been enslaved and our minds have been colonized. Mm-hmm. And so the oppressors don't have to do anything to us now. Absolutely, right? and, absolutely. You know? And yeah. I'm well aware that not every white person is my enemy by any means, you know, but there are some that, can, that have made themselves my enemy. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, and as, you know, um, you know, King connects Gandhi, connects Tutu, you know, uh, connects all of these individuals, you know, uh, by saying that, you know, uh, uh, civilization and violence are antithetical concepts. You know, uh, uh, um, this is what I love what King said in his speech accepting the Nobel Peace Prize. He said, Negroes of the United States following the people of India have demonstrated nonviolence is not sterile passivity, but a powerful moral force which makes for social transformation. Sooner or later, all the people of the world will have to discover a way to live together in peace, and thereby transform this pending cosmic cosmic allergy into a creative psalm of brotherhood. If this is to be achieved, he says, uh, people must evolve uh, as, you know, uh, must evolve all human conflict a method which rejects revenge, aggression, and retaliation. And the foundation of such a method, he says, is love. You know, uh, um, um, absolutely. And the, the Buddha said something very similar 2,500 years ago. Yeah. The, the Buddha's first ethical precept is do not take life, do not cause harm to living beings. And right. all, all the other ethical precepts he has given us are based on the first precept. Right. So it's all about nonviolence, but you see, I would go further because you use the term there, transform. I think you were quoting Dr. King, and you see, to me, it's not just about walking away. I think taking that moment, having a second thought, walking away, that's the first step, but we can actually go well beyond that. We can actually transform situations by using a different kind of language, a different kind of communication. Yes. And in my blog, I've talked about nonviolent communication. I've talked about it quite a lot. I talk about it in my book as well, Success Strategies. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into it too much here. But um, we can actually transform all different kinds of situations, including overtly violent situations, including street violence, including domestic violence. We can actually completely, totally turn things around, and it starts with that internal dialogue. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so really, nonviolence. Uh, this is Reverend Sauls. Nonviolence is a force from the soul, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. and it's that in, that that involution that takes place. Yes. Causes yes. me, as a uh, a, a black man violated by uh, apartheid South Africa and that regime, saying that I am not going to succumb to what you want me to be. Exactly. I'm not going to exactly. give in to how you want me to act. Instead, I'm going to, you know, uh, uh, resist you uh, by using a, uh, a methodology that will expose you and a methodology that will eventually, you know, expel all of the, you know, strategy of violence that you seek to foist upon me. Yeah, and we can actually create a better world for everyone. Yes. But it starts with self. It starts with the individual and then with our individual communities. Our community working within our communities working together. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, Jana, that's very true. But one of the issues I I find that is so prevalent in in black communities is the lack of self pride. Mm. And 
when you don't have self-pride and feel good about yourself, you tend to possibly act out and no, absolutely, absolutely. violence manifests itself yeah. in ways that are definitely happening now in our community. Yeah, yeah. And so we need to be the proud people that we are and respect the good about us and from where we have come from because we have traveled such a such a journey yes, that yes. we should be more proud of who we are. Absolutely. That is, that, Absolutely. that is another issue that, that we have to deal with. We don't have pride anymore. We don't respect the kings and queens that we emanate from. And I think that is a big a big issue, and it's something that uh, we really need to work on because we have come such a long way, and that reflects to cultural change. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so it's important. So I'd like to talk a bit about what are the plans for this year for the International Week for Nonviolence? Because you talked a bit about having personal pride, having pride in ourselves and each other and our community, and you know, I completely, totally want to echo you on that. Okay, so let's talk a bit about what are the plans for how to actually go about that, and does that tie in with the week for nonviolence? Well, during the week of nonviolence, we have about 10 cities that are included as well as the international settings, Mm. which you will be coordinating. Mm. Uh, We have uh, Los Angeles, which Reverend Falls will be representing, Chicago, Pittsburgh, Compton, Atlanta, Georgia, Alexandria, Virginia, Hampton Roads, Virginia, St. Louis, and what we call the DMV, which is uh, the District of Columbia, Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. Maryland, and Virginia. And each of those localities... That's wonderful. Here, That's wonderful. Yeah, each of those localities will be uh, coordinating events, be it speaking engagements, having people come in and speak about nonviolent activities, mm-hmm. uh, A lot of people have suffered violence in their families. Uh, The loss can create, you know, mental health issues. So there might be uh, city agencies coming in to speak uh, to people about, you know, various programs and services that are available to them. And, you know, our whole effort will be to uh, promote nonviolence in our homes. It's not just uh, racial violence. There's domestic violence, as you both so eloquently are referred to. And um, we're hoping to uh, premiere. We we have a film that we uh, completed in February, uh, a domestic violence uh, DVD uh, that we produced. And we have uh, one of our members, Barbara Marshall. Her son is uh, a linebacker with the Denver Broncos. they have been very involved in nonviolence efforts. Unfortunately, they, you know, sustained, uh, you know, violence from her husband and father. And uh, both have been very active in nonviolence issues. Brandon is very involved in Denver with uh, Rose Andam, who is a black female who owned a number of McDonald's, who mm-hmm. also was the uh, victim of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. A survivor, you mean? She's a survivor of domestic she violence. Is she was a victim, and now she is a survivor. Mm-hmm. She took uh, $1 million of her own personal money and donated that to open the Rose Andam Center in Denver, Colorado. Fantastic. It is a state-of-the-art facility where people come. You know, when you're having a, that type of issue, 
you certainly don't want to be in a down-and-out facility. And what she Mm. has done is she definitely has the -the state-of-the-art facility that is uh, supported by the mayor and governor of Denver and Colorado, as well as the state's attorney. And it's an awesome facility. It has like 12 uh, community services and agencies there. So it's like a one-stop place. You know, you you get mm. better, you get the services that you need. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of our members, Pat Duncan, is working very hard uh, to coordinate the efforts for uh, the National Week of Nonviolence in Denver. Excellent, excellent. So what about the self-empowerment side? Can you tell us a bit about any activities that are planned that have to do with the, what I would call educational side or the uh, personal transformation side? Uh, this is uh, Reverend Sauls. Uh, uh, you know, in Los Angeles, we're going to, uh, 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 first and foremost, we're going to bring a uh, diverse coalition uh, of partners we have already worked on around uh, nonviolence and peace initiatives here in the city. So um, uh, so part of our piece is going to be to uh, work on a uh, possible um, uh, town hall meeting with, uh, with young people to, uh, to talk about uh, this uh, piece around self-respect mm. and how it is that you know uh, you can deploy, you know your um, uh, your second you know uh, thought, and uh, utilizing the framework uh, that Paul you know uh, wrote to Timothy, you know in terms of you've been giving a spirit of discipline, not a spirit of cowardice. You've been given a spirit of love, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and just to see how is that we can you know unearth this. And let young people know that you know uh, um, that 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 you know that nonviolence as a as a strategic action is mm-hmm. possible uh, in terms of that. We're going to be kicking off ours uh, with a huge participating in a huge uh, family and community festival here called Taste of Soul, which oh, has really? about two hundred and fifty thousand people, mm. uh, and so um, uh, we are. You know, uh, as a church, co-sponsoring the gospel stage, uh, and of that gospel or good news stage for us, you know, and we do this with uh, uh, the uh, newspaper here in Los Angeles called, or one of them, one called Sentinel, and the Bakewell Company. And so our hope is you know, uh, to start off our our violence on the seventh, on the day of that um, day of that. A festival October the seventeenth. On that Sunday, we're going to network of of, of uh, uh, just on Saturday, but starting that Friday, um, we're okay, going to. Hang on, I'll tell you what. It, what would be better is if you could email me the details. Yes, I can send that to you. If you email me the details, and if you have a link, I can put that on the blog as well. Right. So we'll. Uh, that's kind of the piece that we are looking at here in Los Angeles is just utilizing a variety of venues. Excellent. Excellent. And means. Uh, to engage in in, in ways uh, around that week. So can you tell me, either either Karen or Rivers, or both of you, can you tell me two or three strategies that people can use on a day-to-day basis, looking at self-empowerment, looking at self-education, looking at building up that pride in ourselves? Just maybe small things that maybe a parent could do for a child or something that we can do for ourselves. 
I think uh, you have to learn to feel good about yourself, mm-hmm. and that that encouragement can come from a teacher. It can mm-hmm. come from your minister. Mm-hmm. It can come from a parent. Uh, or so what's, what, is, what is one small thing, for example, that a parent could do to make her child feel good about himself or herself? I think you can sit down with your child and give them a bit of history as to where they've come from, mm. the struggles that, uh, you know, the, the the family may have gone through to get to where they are now, and in, in, in most of them living in relatively uh, somewhat comfortable positions. But mm. kids don't know that. Uh, they just think it's always been that way because right. no one has taken them and set them right. down and explained from whence they came. Right. I think that's an educational process. It's in part pride because you know then that, well, my great-grandfather did X, Y, and Z. You know, mm-hmm, he was mm-hmm. and he, he eventually owned a store or he owned property. Mm-hmm. It's about transferring the knowledge of history. Right. And that that right. fortifies oneself and makes one feel better about who they are. Okay, so the importance of history and the importance of parents talking to their children about history. Because what I find a lot, I don't know if it's the same in the States. I did grow up in the States, but I had a mom who told us a lot about history. But I find certainly in Britain, a lot of parents do not talk to their children about history. That's right. And, you know, and, and again, if, if, if you know, I mean, Bob Marley said it, you know, in this great future, we, 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 um, uh, we cannot forget our past. Mm. Uh, 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 life is, for me is a, uh, uh, a daily embracing, you know, that West African uh, 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 cultural phenom uh, called Sankofa. Mm-hmm. And that, as I, you know, uh, 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 to be able to move forward, I can look back. Uh, but my looking back is not a, 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 a looking back that, you know, um, um, that makes me feel like I'm sitting in a car with a car in drive and I'm looking in the rearview mirror. I'm looking, right. you know, it is really looking at the past and see what has been accomplished, celebrating that, uh, but then ask our question, what principles now from the past can we apply today, personal lives, apply today, uh, family lives, et cetera, et cetera. And I, and I think a practical piece for me, for, for young people as well as for you know, parents with young young people is self affirmation. Mm-hmm. Affirm yourself every day. Mm-hmm. Because whether we like it or not, we live in a culture that seeks to devalue uh, and uh, devalue us and chip away from our dignity yeah. uh, yeah. legislatively. Whether it's state sanctioned violence, it's a, uh, a, a, a a bad educational system. You know, uh, the violence of economic exploitation. Yeah. Violence of uh, all of it is. Aim, I think, how it is that we strip away people's dignity. So I say to parents and young people, affirm yourself, you know, uh, every day. Affirm the good that is in you. Pray the gifts in you, not the lesson in you. Why? You know, uh, because you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You know, uh, it is not just there to oneself on the back. How then can your affirmation of yourself? Make conditions conducive for others then from themselves. You know? Absolutely, because you see, we can talk about that, what yeah, other people are doing to us. Goodwill and compassion, and to then finally, very to then see how we can affirm 
a culture of nonviolence, from a culture, of, you know, as we move forward um, um, uh, to uh, to change the culture of violence. Yeah, sorry to, sorry to cut you there, Reverend. Um, yeah, because the thing is, we could talk about what the authorities are doing, what the oppressor is doing, what this person is doing, what that person is doing, but the only people who can bring about positive change are you and me. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, we can't wait for the other person to change. If we want change to happen, it has to be down to you and me. Absolutely. Yeah. That yeah. is so true. And black women for positive change would like to thank Reverend Saul, who has been a a staunch supporter from the very beginning. He is just gets in there and does what needs to be done, and we appreciate him so much. And we're just honored to have him as mm-hmm. what we call good brothers. While this organization is comprised of women, we also have an auxiliary group, which we call Good Brothers, and Reverend Sauls is definitely one of the Good Brothers, and we really appreciate and thank him. Fantastic. It's been so lovely having both of you on the line. I really appreciate you both taking time out of your busy day to speak to me. And I'm going to draw it to a close now, but please... If you're listening to this, this call, please Google Black Women for Positive Change. Go onto their website. And also, uh, the, the International Week for Nonviolence has a blogging carnival for nonviolence. And you can find us on Facebook, the blogging carnival for nonviolence, if you'd like to submit a blog. I want to thank Karen Carrington from Black Women for Positive Change and Reverend Kelvin Thor of the Holman United Methodist Church in Los Angeles. Thank you so much for being my guest on this call today. I really appreciate you joining me. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you so much. And uh, uh, I'm very excited around the, 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 the global and international mm. uh, uh, connection. I think that's vital for us, you know, so that we can know uh, that just as there is a network uh, uh, out there and a strategy out there, uh, that uh, that perpetrates violence against you know uh, black people that we can build a positive connection a positive movement you know uh, that uh, that can undermine that and uh, and it was creating a culture of violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks very much for joining us and to my listeners. Um, please keep keep your eyes open for the blogging carnival for nonviolence and the week for nonviolence. I'm going to say goodbye to my guests now. Thanks very much for joining us, but please stay on the line. Bye now. Thanks so much. God bless. Bye-bye. I'm at the nail salon. I'm at the grocery store. I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Wait, she's at the nail salon and the grocery store? I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Groceries through Instacart delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store. 